The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Okay, it's good to uh, good to sit with you. So Gil, um, Gil, let me know that uh, the theme was was mindfulness amidst change, mindfulness of change, and to um, as I said in the instructions, to be mindful, to be mindful is to be mindful of change. There's really no such thing as mindfulness of stasis. There's no um, mindfulness of a of a thing or even a person. It's only the process by which phenomena comes to be, comes to pass. So Bhikkhu Bodhi says, uh, Anicca, impermanence, unreliability. Anicca does not mean merely that everything comes to an end. It means that something deeper and more pervasive, namely that conditioned phenomena are in constant process, happenings which break up and perish almost as soon as they arise. Now, um, before I start talking tough about uh, letting go, talking tough about about letting go and relinquishment and Anicca and all of that, I, I just should admit that I don't really like change. Yeah. That uh, in a way, my fantasy, deluded fantasy, is that um, I could get the world just how I like it and kind of hold it still and hold it that way forever. And I suspect that, um, you know, the Buddhist teacher that doesn't like change, that's a little ridiculous, but I suspect that's actually why I got into the path that um, I get into practice because I knew, I knew intuitively that everything would change. And I knew that um, my heart was unprepared, that I needed to prepare my heart for the changingness of all things. There's a, a study from a few years ago. Researchers recruited about 20,000 people to do a series of studies. And they asked half the participants how much they believed they would change over the next decade in terms of personality and values and preferences. And 
Then they asked the other half how much they actually had changed over the past decade. And what they found was, and they did this across all ages, but what they found was, for example, the 50-year-old predicted much less change across their 50s than the 60-year-old had actually experienced in their 50s. And the authors uh, conclude, people, it seems, regard the present as a watershed moment at which they have finally become the person they will be for the rest of their lives. History, it seems, is always ending today. History, it seems, is always ending today. The assumption of permanence. It said uh, something I've alluded to. It said that our brain is a kind of prediction machine. And as fragile creatures amidst uh, unimaginably vast forces, we must be making predictions. And we are relentlessly attempting to make predictions that minimize the gap between our model and what comes next. Our model of self and world and what comes next. In other words, we're trying uh, never to be surprised in each moment. We're trying not to be surprised by the next and not to be surprised by five years from now. And we see this in meditation, the the way we maintain so many reference points. We keep tabs on samsara the reference points of self and other past and future likes and dislikes, where I begin, where I end, what does this back pain mean? What does this heartache mean? What does this fluttering, anxious feeling mean? What does this mean for the trajectory of my life? What does this mean? And we're trying to trace out this moment and ensure that it has us on a kind of trajectory that feels okay. And that's so innocent, but we can wind up living in those kind of narrow claustrophobic models we've created, trying not to be surprised. It's harder to grow and learn to update our sense, our models. And I find change is always a little bit startling. You know, even when you think you're prepared for it, change is always a little startling because the assumption of permanence does run deep. It runs deep. 
And the Buddha dwelled on the three characteristics, uh, anicca, dukkha, anatta, change, unsatisfactoriness or incompletion, not self, dwelled on the three characteristics because in a sense, the default assumption we we live in is the opposite, the opposite of the three characteristics. We fantasize a, about a, a durable pleasure that might structure our lives and end our seeking. We fantasize about tying up all the loose ends of being human, of of gaming out samsara, of managing uncertainty, of living uh, forever. And we fantasize about taking a kind of, um, taking refuge in an identity, arriving and landing, finding a home in self-view. And none of this can work in the end. But before the three characteristics are liberating, we often have to grieve them. Grieve them. And so when Gil mentioned uh, last night that this is a theme, the first thing that came to my mind um, was you know, to deeply enjoy <clears throat> periods of stability, deeply enjoy by knowing the tenuousness of it all. In those those windows of of relative stability, we enjoy, but we enjoy not thinking it will go on forever. We enjoy deeply, even more deeply, because we know the tenuousness of it, that this moment is held together by causes and conditions that we will never see, we could never fully appreciate the millions, the the everything of the causes and conditions that converge and create this moment, this breath in this moment. Yeah. And so we come to enjoy gratitude, not in the artificial way of, you know, sometimes feels uh, fake or something, but is like, no, this is, uh, wow, this breath. This goodness, this person, this love. The path is uh, is a dialectic of of tranquility, safety, seclusion, and on the other hand, letting the world rush into our heart and uh, making peace with imperfection. But we cannot really acclimatize to a Nietzsche from a place of fragmentation, brittleness. And so we establish a sense of of inner stability, of refuge, 
of seclusion, of protection. Joan Halifax said, um, her her line came to mind that um, strong back, soft front, strong back, soft front. That's such a beautiful encapsulation, strong back, soft front. We cultivate stability. We have our sila, sila, our honoring of goodness. We have our devotion to Buddha Dhamma Sangha, kind of devotion to uh, to love. Maybe we have a sense of. Um, of lineage, lineage of being in the kind of stream of Dhamma. He's a, a, a meditator yesterday, a college student told me that, um, that they're, I guess in music, he's a musician, classical musician and um, nine generations back is Franz Liszt or something like that, you know, kind of <clears throat> the proto he's the protege of the protege of the protege of nine generations back, you get this classical pianist. <clears throat> right. And um what's um What's our lineage? So there are stabilizing forces and um and then there's uh then there's equanimity <clears throat> that our heart uh doesn't um depend on samsara that um anicca of course um can be is heartbreaking but um the momentariness of change that river with no banks actually comes to feel, can feel like a refuge. And because we, we know ourselves as part of that river, as made of change, it's like uh, nothing can collide with our heart. I offer this for your consideration and uh, yeah, appreciate what's uh, just caught a glimpse of the, the chat before I started talking. Appreciate what is happening there. So uh, yeah, may you, uh, may you all be well. Yeah, may we be well. <clears throat>